1: Hey there, Buffalo Bills fans. Welcome back to Believe, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast here on BuffaloRumblings.com and everywhere else you go to find your fine podcasts, especially this time of year as we are getting ready to talk the NFL draft. The first round is coming up on Thursday. As all of our Bills fans know, hopefully you know by now, the Bills possess the 30th overall pick in the first round. It is the latest the Bills have ever drafted in the first round so Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott will make history uh, with their pick of course the later in the draft you pick the more successful your season was and the Bills went to the AFC championship game uh, for the first time since the end of the Super Bowl era uh, losing to the Kansas City Chiefs we are going to give you today my name is John Bacasino by the way Jamie D'Amico joining us here as well And as you've come to know on our podcast, we are Bill's fans first and foremost. So we thought for the podcast leading up to the draft, we're not going to give you a complex seven round mock draft. We're not going to go through and break down the X's and O's of who the inside top right guard options are in this year's uh, selection of draft candidates. We're going to give you a fan perspective on three players that we like each for the bills to take at pick number 30 and three players that we like for the bills to select in the second round at pick number 61. These are purely based on the limited research that myself and Jamie have done on the topic. And in no way, shape or form are we considered draft nicks or draft gurus. Although Jamie haven't always wanted to be known as a something Nick, a draft Nick, a beat Nick, a draft guru. How does one become one of those? That's a very good question. How does one become a Mel Kuyper Jr., a Todd McShay, a Joe Marino, our own Bruce exclusive, Bruce Nolan, who dives in? And again, when I mentioned earlier, I tip my hat to Bruce. He is going to be, if it hasn't come out already, he's going to be doing a full seven round, 256 player mock draft for every team out there. That's impressive. And we were just
0: lamenting, what his day job is because obviously none of us can be podcasters
1: full time because it just doesn't pay enough money you know i look i love college football in my limited fandom i couldn't i don't know everything about uh, 150th of the prospects out there it's really hard to see jamie through the deceit right now this is the lying season is one of the phrases i like to use when it comes to uh the draft time, because chances are pretty good. If you're hearing something right now that a team is quote unquote being linked to chances are pretty good. It's not true because why would you tip your hat and give the other teams an edge and an insight into what you're thinking? Because right now it's all lies, lies, and damn lies.
0: Well, I can't say that I blame them because these general managers, they're, so much of their success is tied to what they're able to do in the draft. And there's only 32 of these jobs. There's only 32 of these jobs. So imagine how good you have to be in order to achieve one of them. And you're going to do everything in your power to try to keep that. And that includes lying about everything, misdirection, smoke screens, oil slicks, banana peels, everything else. But nobody's getting the real information Until usually a day or two before the draft, all of a sudden, you start hearing some information that comes out of nowhere that ends up being true. But that comes from writers and reporters. That never comes from the front office itself.
1: No, you're right. The people who, you know, there's always those, um, you know, I remember when Baker Mayfield uh, was was a uh, coming off the draft um, one of the podcasts I listened to uh, a nationally syndicated guy has an inside source and he would only say something that this source would say because he's like I know that people you know my credibility is at stake and he started talking about Baker mayfield climbing up the draft boards and you know being number one and this is back during like the the college football season so when Baker mayfield went number one it wasn't surprising you've got to know, who to trust when it comes to the sources that you're buying into? And again, a lot of times I feel like mock drafts are clickbait. You know, I mean, everybody—they're <laughs> also like assholes. Everybody has one. Everyone can have an opinion, and, and they can often stink. But if you believe it, you know, good for you for putting it out there. But there's so many mock drafts out there that it's really just you—you you have fun with it. That's why it's been such a it's fun to speculate. You know, this is like the the season of optimism where anything's possible. The Bills could trade up. The Bills could trade out of the first round. And I think a lot of this goes back to what we've talked about all offseason, Jamie, is that Brandon Bean has done such a good job with this offseason that the Bills can focus on a couple of areas of need, but mostly they can focus on getting the best player available, which is such an enviable position to find yourself.
0: But we have to define what is the best player available. And the term is used all the time and it's almost always used by general managers because they don't want to tell the world that, hey, here's a position that I need. So I'm definitely drafting somebody at that position. And the other side of it is that you don't necessarily have the value in place for a position that you need. You know, you may. Be a wide receiver away from being a very good team, but if there are no good wide receivers on the board in the first round, you can't you can't draft one there. So, what does that mean? Best player available is really a combination of a few a few things. It's how good is the player, what is the value of that draft position, and what are the needs on your team, and it becomes a formula. That is different for all 32 front offices. You know, some may value the player's skill more than others. Some may value a position more than others. Let's be honest. Defensive end is far more valuable than weak side linebacker. So if you've got two guys of the same skill level, you're going to draft the defensive end because it's just a more valuable position.
1: That is all
0: things equal.
1: Those are good ground rules and parameters to to discuss. And you're right; the term BPA, best player available, gets bantied about pretty frequently when it comes to to draft talk. And I'm glad you defined it the way you did because positional scarcity definitely plays a role in figuring out who the best player available is. And just because you're a quarterback hungry team and you're drafting, you know, thirtieth, by the time it gets to you, you, the the you know you're looking at this year, especially you know, the top three picks could all be quarterbacks. Uh, Speculation is the first seven or eight picks could all be offensive players. So you're going to see a major run on QBs and skill offensive players to start off the draft. But if you're sitting there at 30 and you need a quarterback, you're not going to necessarily reach for the Stanford kid who's probably projected to be a fourth rounder because that would be a horrible value return uh, based on the spot that you're drafting, which is why a lot of times you see these trade downs when a team realizes, well, my need is offensive guard, but all the offensive guards are undervalued for where I'm picking in the draft, which is why, again, you see a lot of Brandon Bean breaking out those magical trade beans to uh, to trade back and stockpile picks, which, again, I would not be surprised at all if Brandon Bean trades out of the first round. I wouldn't be surprised if he trades up in the first round. Um, I've seen him do that. Well, and especially, Jamie, this is such an unorthodox draft year to be a general manager. There was no NFL combine. So teams have had to do their interviews virtually. They miss out on that valuable one-on-one time with a prospect in a room where they can grill them. They can get to know them. They can ask some questions. I'm sorry, technology virtually is great, but nothing replicates being physically in a room to read body language, to read emotion, to read someone's response to a question. And so When you factor in the different circumstances behind the draft, and also this is the smallest draft class in I don't know how many years, just based on the number of players who declared and who are eligible, it's an abnormally small class of college football talent coming to the NFL draft. So I think all of those factors combine to make Thursday's proceedings unlike anything we've ever seen before in the history of the draft.
0: It's going to be the kind of draft where you see players selected in the mid to late rounds who end up performing, outperforming their draft slot because they don't have a chance to get into the scouting combine and show what they can do in front of the entire league, have the medical examinations. That's a big thing that Brandon Bean particularly is worried about is... The medicals on guys. So teams are going to be a bit more conservative in the players that they're selecting. They're not going to take the chances. That means you're probably also going to find a lot of very average performers coming out of the first round that are exceeded in performance by players that are drafted later. It's the nature of the beast this year and we can only hope that our buffalo bills are going to fall backwards into some really great late round values that other teams just didn't pick
1: up on. And as we all know, give Brandon Bean a ton of credit for being a master trade tradesman and a master drafter so far during his tenure here in western new york. Well, so
0: before we get going, I have to ask this question. Because when as we talk about our selections we're not talking about trade scenarios we're talking about picking exactly where the bills land in the first two rounds if a draft or I'm sorry if a trade was going to take place a would you like to see it happen and b which direction do you want to see them go
1: so here's my caveat with that given i i i'm i'm fully expecting there's a really telling uh, exchange that Brandon beat had during a recent, um, call with reporters where he mentioned how he was a little flummoxed that they weren't able to work out a deal in 2020, um, to move up and move down the draft boards accordingly. And, you know, everyone's been reading into that, that Brandon, and we all know Brandon Bean has made, I think four draft day trades at least, uh, during his time in Western New York. I believe he's made trades involving 20 or so draft picks, Uh, During his time, he is not afraid to wheel and deal and get the best options out there for Buffalo. If Brandon Bean makes a trade this year, either up or down, obviously, I'm fine if he trades down because he clearly doesn't think that the value uh, return is there when the team is picking. If he trades up, my one plea to Brandon Bean, we all know he listens to this podcast passionately and loyally, don't give up 2022 first or second round draft picks because that class, I'm telling you, it's going to be special. It's going to be deep. It's going to be rich in talent because you're going to have so many more top level players um, going for the 2022 draft. So I think that it's going to be a premium on having higher and better picks next year. So if you want to play around with this year's draft picks and package, uh, they don't have a four, but if you want to package the three and the five, to move up in the first round with something else, go for it. But if you want to move up in this year's draft class, I'm begging Brandon Bean, don't trade the 2022 first or second. I think those are going to be very valuable picks.
0: I'm with you on that. And in fact, I suggest that if they do move back, it be for a 21 second round pick and a 22 second round pick. I want to start adding picks for next year. And the other thing is, with the extensions that are possibly coming up for Josh Allen and uh, Tremaine Edmonds, you need cheap labor on the team. You can't be hiring people for veteran minimum salaries that are free agents when you can be replacing them with first and second year drafted players you need the cheap players on the roster in order to fit Josh Allen's future contract uh, within the framework of the salary cap. You got to move down. Moving up would be a big mistake.
1: Valid points there. Of course, the one thing I want to add is um, whenever the new TV money gets factored in, we are going to see a massive spike in the salary cap and the, the payrolls for these teams too. hopefully the bills were able to finagle that into their planning when it comes to extensions for Josh Allen and Tremaine Edmonds. But again, very valid to make sure that when the team does offer those extensions, they're going to need to get rookies who contribute, who have a lesser impact on the salary cap than say your proven veterans out there. Now, Jamie, let's have some fun. Let's dive Do in I- here on believe. We've laid the ground rules down. We're talking about no trade scenarios. The bills are on the clock at pick 30. Give me who is your very first fall in love guy that you want the bills to be able to go after at pick 30. Oh, I will tell you
0: exactly why this guy is that. And then I will tell you the player. You have the New England Patriots who have loaded up on two of the best tight ends that were available and two of the best in the AFC period. And you also have Travis Kelsey out there who is going to terrorize the Buffalo Bills because they'll inevitably end up meeting the Chiefs again in the playoffs. I want a player who is fast, who is mobile, who can run with those guys and who is also physical enough to play against the run Sign me up for Jeremiah Owusu-Koromora, please. The guy is a linebacker from Notre Dame. He is undersized, playing at about 215 pounds. But the speed that that guy brings, this is one of those players who you can put out on the field and... Take the place of your nickel back, can take the place of a linebacker. He can get after the quarterback a little bit. You could use him as a safety if you needed to, it, though he is not a defensive back, and don't be like, oh, Jamie thinks this guy's gonna be a DB. He's not a DB. He moves forward, not backward. But this is the guy that I want to see in a Bills uniform because I feel like he could open up so many possibilities for that Frazier McDermott defense.
1: He really does seem like the perfect complement as that base 4-3 weak side linebacker. He can play all three downs out there um, as, a, as an aggressive uh, contributor on the defense. Uh, JOK, as I've come to call him during my, my draft research, also Joke. leads itself to the Joker, potentially as a nickname out there for Bills fans. I think he's a, a fascinating prospect. I just worry that he's going to be long gone by the time. He might be one of those guys. In fact, I'm sure he will be one of those guys that Bean would have to trade up to go and get and probably won't be available at 30. But I like the way you think when it comes to slowing down and containing those talented tight ends and that the playmakers that Kansas City does have, uh, Owosu Koromoa would be a fantastic pick for Buffalo if he is available or if they have to trade up to go get him.
0: That's going to be a toughie because we don't know how this draft is going to shake out. I've seen a bunch of different mock drafts. I don't do them myself because I I don't know enough uh, about it. However, I have seen some drafts where he drops to the Bills and I'm thrilled. And then I see others where he's drafted in the top 22. And, you know, that obviously doesn't make me happy. I don't see the Bills trading up to the early 20s this year. They just don't have the ammunition unless they're trading next year's picks. And we have said we do not want that to
1: happen. No, hang on to those 2022 picks. I like the JOK selection, though, Jamie. I think he would be an awesome value add for, uh, for the bills, if they can somehow swing it, if he falls, um, who knows how the draft board will shake out on Thursday night, but I'm going to give you my number one, uh, player that I want the bills to go after with pick number 30. And I will give our, our listeners a little insights here. I like Jamie Am not a mock draft guru or an expert. I don't even play one on TV, but this morning I, uh, for the first time in my, my bills fandom, I fired up The draft network has this awesome mock draft tool where you can simulate how many rounds and what team you're representing and go through and and you actually pick the players that are available on the board as the board breaks. And so I did my first ever one this morning, and this goes along with a piece that we wrote on BuffaloRumblings.com where we talk about staff writers from Rumblings, who they want the Bills to go after, with pick 30 and I'll give credit to Josh Rodden who actually came out and said that he wanted as well as Jamie wanted Jeremiah Owosu Koromora from Notre Dame to be the pick with pick number 30 when I gave my preface I wanted the Bills to go with a cornerback and I said point blank the guy I want I don't think is going to be there because every mock draft I've read this guy Northwestern's Greg Newsom II has been off the board then lo and behold, this morning I fire up the the draft networks mock draft board. It gets to thirty, and whose name is out there unplucked? Greg Newsom the second. I would love. I know Buffalo. You've heard me all off season. Cornerback is a major area of need. CB two especially. I would love it if the Bills could find a way to get Greg Newsom the second a solid three-year contributor for Northwestern. He did have his fair share of injuries, but I am not worried about those plaguing him given the fact that he is a perfect fit for the zone-based schemes that Leslie Frazier and Sean McDermott love to run. This guy is a ball hawk. 25 pass breakups and 21 starts he's fast enough a 438 40 yard dash he's versatile he's six foot one which means he can match up well with the taller receivers and the more physical receivers on the outside if the bills can somehow find a way to get greg newsom the second with pick number 30 holy shit well
0: i i love that you mentioned him because he was my number two. And here's what I want for the Bills. I want a starter in the first round. I know they've talked about drafting for the future, but God damn it, no. We (laughs) want somebody who's going to be on the field right away. And the CB2 spot is a great, great opportunity for, there is a great opportunity for somebody to come in and take that job from Levi Wallace. But what do I want? I want somebody who either has size or has good ball skills. You have a great combination of both of those in Greg Newsom. Now, he does not have good interception numbers. One thing he doesn't seem to do is squeeze the ball at at the point of attack. However, he does have good fight in him and is very good at taking the ball away from the receivers. That is definitely what they need, and at his size at 192 pounds, let's let's face it, receivers are not getting any smaller. And Levi Wallace, not a big guy, you see what the large receivers do to him; they just outmuscle him all over the field. That wouldn't happen with Greg Newsom. Greg Newsom would be like perfect world number two. You can't get JOK. you get Greg Newsom. Here you've got a starter for the next five years minimum.
1: And you mentioned the lack of interceptions against Newsom, And I will admit that is definitely a little bit of a concern, but I'm not that worried about the lack of picks because again, you know, this guy just has a way to find the ball to break it up and to get between the receiver and the football to make the big play and knock down the pass. And when passes are completed against him, Jamie last year, he was targeted 34 times He allowed 12 total receptions, averaging out to a 31.7 opposer-passer rating, and not a single one of the passes completed against him went for more than 20 yards this guy, I tell you, there's something special about Newsom. There's something special about the way he plays and he's versatile too. He can be a man corner. He can be a press zone coverage corner. He's one of the most exciting cornerback prospects in this draft, which is why I'm afraid he won't be there at 30. But hey, if this morning in my first ever mock draft attempt, he can be there. Maybe that's a good omen for Brandon Bean on Thursday night, because I feel like Greg Newsom is just the right type of guy to bring in here on the perimeter. Again, he's outstanding and runs support. Some- Support. His tackling at the line of scrimmage is really solid for a corner of his size, and he's just one of those guys who, you get him in there, the Bills secondary on the outside, done. sign, sealed, delivered, outstanding secondary if you get Newsom opposite Trey White. And when we talk
0: about defensive backs, we always talk about the... The pass coverage. And we should. I mean, that's their number one job. And he allowed only a 31.5% completion rate against him. Absolutely amazing. But here's why he would be great on the Bills defense. He's a good tackler and he's really willing to come up and run support. That's exactly what the Bills need in their defense, especially when they're running the zone. He's going to fill on the outside really well. And The one knock on Trey White is that he doesn't play the run particularly well. I don't care all that much about Trey White not being the best against the run. But if you have somebody on the other side who actually is, it opens up a lot of opportunities for the linebackers and the defensive linemen to make plays because they know they've got somebody on the outside who's going to to bottle it up if they happened to let the ball carrier slip to the outside. I love the guy. He's physical. He doesn't allow receptions. He especially doesn't allow them downfield. Damn. I might even want him more than JOK now.
1: Well, it's great that we uh, I figure we'd have some overlap on our on our top 3 for pick number 30 to review Jamie had JOK, the linebacker from Notre Dame and Greg Newsom the second was his number 2, ha, huh, pun intended, uh selection here for number 30. Boom. Uh, my first one, of course, was Greg Newsom second, and my second one, I'm going to stick with the theme of the cornerbacks, and in hopes of a guy who falls because of talking about injury concerns, I, the guy I wrote about in my Buffalo Rumblings pick as well for who I want the Bills to take at 30, who I hope falls because of his medical concerns, and I think will prove all the doubters wrong, just like DK Metcalf a couple years ago, it's Virginia Tech cornerback Caleb Farley. He is a guy who I actually have seen lingering towards the end of the first round in a lot of the mock drafts I've read. And if he falls and the Bills can take him, they will get arguably the most complete corner in the draft. I think Caleb Farley to me, Jamie, everything with Greg Newsome we just mentioned, amp it up by a factor of five when it comes to Farley because he was arguably the best cornerback prospect in the draft before he had this back surgery during this offseason. All indicators have come back that the back surgery went smoothly and he's on his road to recovery. Uh, I think that you look at the intangibles of what Farley brings, blazing speed. He's six foot two, which means again, he's physical enough to hold his own on the outside. He has that solid nose for the ball. He broke up 16 passes in the competitive ACC last year and had four interceptions. So not only was he breaking them up, but he came down with them as well to get those game-changing interceptions in route to a first-team all-ACC campaign for the Hokies in 2020. If Farley falls to 30, pounce on him.
0: That would be a tremendous selection because that's... That's the kind of thing that you can roll the dice on when you're picking at the end of the first round. Say a guy who, you know, needs to take some time to develop. Well, you know, if he if he needs to take time to come back from his injury, the Bills still have a solid starter in Levi Wallace. He's not great. I think the Bills can improve upon him, but I I can deal with him starting 8 games this upcoming season if what you're getting on the back end is the guy who's going to turn out to be the best coverage man in the draft. And see, here's the thing. We talk a lot about how the Bills play zone defense, but a lot of the time they're doing it because it's what they have to do. We saw what happened last year when Josh Norman was on the field and the Bills tried to play man-to-man. It was just, let's call it a travesty. The Bills need the ability to switch it up in the defensive backfield once in a while to add some confusion to the quarterbacks and to the offensive players as to what the bills are going to do next. That kind of thing results in more turnovers. Having a guy like Fairley, you can, you can bet. And here's a guy with ball skills. Here is the player who is going to set you up for the next five to eight years of success at CB2. He may even take over a CB one when Trey White starts getting a little bit older and you know loses his step. I would be thrilled with that selection.
1: And I think Jamie, the reason the more I read, and I want to give credit to Kyle Trimble with Buffalo Rumblings, who, if you don't know, he has such insights into medical history and injuries that players deal with and the likelihood of them bouncing back or suffering another injury moving forward. Kyle wrote a great piece for cover one uh, that he alluded to with Buffalo rumblings as well, talking about Farley's injury history. And now I mentioned the back injury, and that's concerning because clearly you need your cornerback to be able to run up and down the field and jump and knock down the ball. And you need a healthy back in order to do that. He's also had uh, two, I believe, knee injuries during the course of his career. They were both fluky. Uh, plays in which they resulted on. And so I'm not thinking it's a trend. I'm thinking it's more just being unlucky when it comes to dealing with his injuries. But everything Trimble wrote about and everything I've read says that he's passed those knee injuries and he's ready to go. And that, my friend, is why I think he's going to fall to 30. And that's where smart general managers like Brandon Bean will swoop in and take a game changing talent like Caleb Farley to come in right away and be that CB2 I, the, the skill sets alone, Jamie. What he does, he. I love that. I saw the phrase "sticky" used to describe his man-to-man coverage abilities. He's also an excellent zone corner. Uh, he can just have really game-changing skills for Buffalo in coverage, and that's why I'm so excited for Caleb Farley if he does fall to 30 for the Bills to take him and be their starting CB2. Now, who is your third player? My third player is somebody
0: who I have a little bit of consternation because he has an injury history and he doesn't quite have the raw athletic skills that I would want, but he has positional versatility. He is a leader of his team and the guy just screams process because he's he's a hard worker. His teammates love him. He is a... Senior coming out of Alabama, we are talking about interior offensive lineman Landon Dickerson, who tips the scales at 6'6", 330 pounds, and has a hand measurement of 10 and 3 eighths. The guy's huge. Now, he's not the most mobile, but I am not sold on what the Bills have, especially for the left guard position. And I think there needs to be some young blood brought in there. Also, Dickerson has spent time as a center, mostly, while at Alabama, and I think we're probably going to see the last season of Mitch Morris on the Buffalo Bills, because I got to tell you, how many more how many more concussions can Mitch Morris take before he becomes a vegetable? I mean, I, I say that flippantly, but we are talking about long-term brain damage that can happen as a result of the number of concussions the dude has had, which is five of them. Frankly, I'm not sure I would keep playing if I were him, but he's rolling it back out there and he's a good player. Glad to have him. Landon Dickerson, though, I think he's going to be my guy. I think he's probably the top interior offensive lineman in the draft this year. And if he didn't have the injury concerns, he'd go in the top 20. But because of those, he drops to 30. I would run up to the podium with my uh, selection ticket.
1: That's an interesting name to throw out there. It's a guy who... Um, when you look at what he's done with Alabama, the Crimson Tide, he did play all five positions on the offensive line. Ideally, he's probably going to be more interior, definitely interior at the starting center or a guard position. And he seems like he's really good in that power type of scheme, the power running, uh, the gap protections that the the teams want to offer out there. Um, Landon is somebody who I think would offer up Uh, again, extreme versatility. Uh, He's really good at the point of attack. Uh, He, again, having hands that are 10 and three eighths, my God, those things are, are behemoths out there, what they can do to control and slow down some of the top edge rushers. That's an interesting name to think about Landon Dickerson out of Alabama. My uh, third pick, Jamie, my third guy, I don't know if he's going to be there. Like a lot of the guys were mentioning, you could see All of the guys I'm throwing out there and Jamie too, they could be taken as early as 15 or they could last to 30. You just don't know how the draft is going to play out. But if my third guy is there, I would jump over the moon and make sure that I grab him for Buffalo. It's uh, the other major, and I'm going to tell you a theme, Jamie, all of my six picks that I've got right now, my six players to watch are defensive guys. I want to shore up defense, defense, defense. And my third pick, my third guy is one of the best, if not the best edge rushers in the draft. It's Aziz Ojolari from Georgia. Now I've seen him go as high as 13, 14, 15, and I've seen him slide to 28, 29, which gives me hope that he might be there at 30, but that's also why he's my third guy because I think of all the ones I've mentioned, he probably has the least likelihood of still being there when the bills draft but he is the one guy i would say on my top three if bean has to trade up slightly to go get a guy this is the guy i want him to go up and trade up for in the draft because when you talk about the bills what is the one glaring weakness this team has on defense it's getting after the damn quarterback absolutely say it one more time for the people in the in the rooftops pass rush. The Bills must get better at getting after the quarterback. And I don't think there's a more pure edge rusher in the draft than Aziz Ojolari from Georgia. I think especially if you put him on the weak side of the defensive line, oh my God, he will be a havoc wreaker on quarterbacks and offensive linemen. He will be chaos and destruction all rolled into one. He's incredibly young. I believe he's only 20 but he led the SEC in sacks, in tackles for losses, in forced fumbles. This dude gets off the line so quick and has such good instincts that to me, if he is there and the Bills aren't able to get one of the cornerbacks that they love, this guy would be such an amazing consolation prize. I like him,
0: but let me add a caveat here. I do not like any of the edge rusher prospects for the Bills' number 30 pick. And I'll tell you why. All of them rubbed me the wrong way for different reasons. Now, Ojalari is a really good player, but to me, he is a 3-4 outside linebacker. He is a pursuit guy, not an edge setter. So I think that the Bills would need to have him with his hand in the dirt and there would be a lot of coaching up. But let me go down the list here. Pay. Who many consider to be number one and hope that the Bills are going to take. I think that this is a guy who just doesn't finish. I I don't think his I, I don't think his athleticism and the sum of the parts uh add up to a very good hole. I think the sum of the parts are very, very, very much ahead of the hole. Uh Jason Owe, they they say he has attitude problems. Jalen Phillips from Miami, by far the most – by far the the best athletic prospect, but he has had multiple concussions and multiple injuries. I don't know that that guy can stay on the field. Um, then you've got Ojolari, who I think would be out of position at defensive end. And beyond that, you go to, like, Greg Russo, who, you know, he's been productive, but he's not as athletic as you would want to see. You've got Osai out of Texas. Um, Joe Tryon, I just, you know what this group reminds me of, and you're going to like this reference. This reminds me of the draft where the bills picked James Hardy as a receiver in the second round, where there were all of these receivers that they're like, oh, wow, the second round is going to have such great talent. Well, if the second round had such great talent, they would have been first round picks and the only good, the only really good one that came out of that draft was Jordy Nelson. I feel like this edge rusher draft is going to be exactly that. So, uh, as Triumph the com- uh, the Comic Insult Dog would
1: say, I poop on your selection. <laughs> well, first of all, the fact that you were able to weave in both a James Hardy diss and a Triumph the Insult Comic Dog reference in the same segment—kudos <laughs> to you for your versatility. I, I get where you're coming from. And, and edge rushers are always, you talk about positions. There's two positions more than anything else in this draft that in my humble opinion, I feel are over pursued and, and over hyped. And it's the quarterbacks and the edge rushers, because those are the two hardest positions to find that talent that will contribute to your NFL team. I think with the edge rushers, you're right. They're probably not as glowing as a lot of the recommendations and a lot of the reviews have been online, but teams are so desperate to find good edge rushers and they're so hard to find that they're willing to take that lottery ticket and try to cash it and see what they can come up with. I will counter one of your points about ojalari I know you said you don't necessarily see him fitting in as a defensive end, and that's true. A lot of what he's done on tape so far translations transitions more to a linebacker, then a defensive end. But I'm telling you, Jamie, from what I've seen, the limited video I've seen of this kid, the scouting reports I've read, I really feel like he has the skill sets to adjust and adapt to being that weak side defensive end in the 4-3, which would be perfect for Buffalo, perfect for Leslie Frazier. And let me drop one more thing on you too. Besides the fact that I feel like he hasn't even played his best football yet at the tender age of 20, the Buffalo Bills last year, had, I believe, the highest or second highest blitz percentages in the NFL. And yet they got to the quarterback amongst the worst frequency of all the teams in the league. Something needs to change to get after the quarterback and get more pass rush and get more pressure. I think Ojalari is the guy of all the ones they can go after. I feel like he is the one who is the freak of nature, the talented athlete. He succeeds and he could be a three down contributor for the defense as well. He's pretty good in run stuffing um, and the fact that he does finish Unlike Quiddy Pay, he gets home, he gets after the quarterback, and he's got that big, high motor, uh, drinking word, drinking phrase, by the way, for Thursday night. That's one of your bingo phrases. High motor, bendy, oily hips. There's so many of these phrases. How do these guys come up with them, by the way?
0: Oh, my God. You know, it's interesting because last year, me and a couple of friends decided to play uh, draft bingo, and you could tell that the folks on ESPN in particular were trying really hard to come up with different phrases because it's almost like they have been found out and they realized it. So yeah, you, you didn't hear high motor guy all that often. You heard, you heard them change it up to say things like constant effort. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's a hustler. Um, so I do think that on the high end, uh, Ojalary ends up being a Charles Haley type. I I think that there's a possibility for that. Charles Haley was kind of a, a tweener type. He was sort of a they thought maybe he was more of a stand-up guy, but he ended up in San Francisco and he ended up in Dallas. And his job was to get after the quarterback and just chase the ball. And that could be a, a position that Ojolari ends up very successful
1: in. Well, again, it's all a crapshoot. It's all if if the Bills draft Ojalari and he turns into Charles Haley, sign me up. What a benefit right. that would be for the defense out there in this. Oh, you mean you want a Hall of Famer on the team? What a rational <laughs> thought that is. <laughs> <laughs> but again, it's all it's all a crapshoot. But those are the first three targets we're looking for with pick number 30. <laughs> Now, Jamie, let's swing into the second half of ours, and we'll do a little bit more lightning round when it comes to pick number 61, which is the 29th overall selection in the second round. Who is your number one crush? The guy you are hoping and praying is there when Buffalo's on the clock.
0: Okay, and obviously this is extremely dependent on what happens in the first round. However, if the Bills end up with JOK, the outside linebacker, this is the guy I would be salivating over because as I said, I want either size or ball skills in my defensive backs. I want the six two and a half DB
1: out of Syracuse. I want Ifadu Melifanwu. I am so proud of you for both saying his name correctly and going <laughs> to the orange well. Cause his, his name is not an easy one to say. And, uh, I affect who actually was one of my, uh, my, one of my three guys, um, that I was, I was thinking of as well, of course, based on what Buffalo does with that pick number 30, what do you love about the orange standout corner besides his height and the fact, I don't know, I I'll, I'll spill the beans, Jamie. If, if the bills end up drafting him at pick number 61, what an outstanding selection this would be for the secondary, because he is just. I don't know. He jumps off the screen at you.
0: He does. And what I really like is that he's such a good fit for a zone scheme. He's a punishing tackler that is insanely aggressive. And, you know, he he drives on the football. He's big enough to also help cover those tight ends. Um, He is really good at um, mirroring in in the backpedal uh so if he's playing a little bit of man-to-man coverage he's going to really excel in in playing the the different styles of coverage now you know he's not you know he he's not real loose and he's you know he's not a guy who can turn and run with the the fastest receivers out there but I don't think that's something that you need in the Bills' defensive scheme. I, I think that while he he can struggle sometimes uh, getting off of blocks or what have you, this is a guy whose size alone is going to make him physical enough, and he is going to be able to match up with the larger receivers that are out there. Like we said, receivers aren't getting shorter. It's just it, it's a, a really nice luxury to have when you've got somebody that size who also has coverage skills. Let's not forget Richard Sherman. He is a bump coverage, tall guy who's in the Hall of Fame, about 6'2". Um, now, Richard Sherman had substantially better ball skills than anybody in the draft right now. But that's what Melifanwu re- reminds me of. And oh, by the way, why does he go by Ifadu Melifanwu when his middle name is Charles David? Why, why couldn't we just call him Chuck? <laughs> it would be so much easier.
1: <laughs> well, I think it probably, I have no knowledge of what I'm going to say here other than it, the unique factor, and it might be something to do with his heritage and his culture. Um, regardless of what you want to call him, you call him a long-rangey right. athletic and playmaking cornerback prospect. He's just rising up draft boards from what I'm seeing and what I'm hearing and the fact that he would be such an outstanding fit in Buffalo's zone defensive schemes would make him an ideal if the Bills don't get a corner at pick 30 and Melifonwu is there when they pick in the second. I don't think he's going to last to the third round pick. I think he's going to go from what I'm seeing somewhere between, you know, the the low 60s and the high 70s seems to be the sweet spot for Melifonwu to get drafted. But again, cornerback talents like him, um, who can succeed in both press man coverage and in zone situations, are hard to come by. That's why Melifonwu was one of my top three as well for this category. Although, Jamie, I do want to preface this, of course, if the Bills somehow get Newsome or they get Farley, Mela is not my number one in no, second no. round picks because there's no need to get those lockdown and, corners. And,
0: you know, there is one thing that I didn't mention that is a huge concern. I alluded to it saying he's a little stiff. He doesn't turn and run with guys well. He's kind of slow. You know, he runs like a, a 4.5 40-yard 40 dash, and you typically want somebody much faster than that on the outside.
1: Yeah, that is definitely an area, a little bit of a, a concern with Mela which is holding him back from being, of course, in the Patrick Sertains and the, the the top, you know, the JC horns of this draft class for the corners. But Melifonwu is an outstanding selection. If the Bills can get him in the second round, he would be an outstanding addition to that defense. My um actual first guy of my my picks of the second round targets, and again, I'm going back to Brandon Bean, you're in luck because if your mock draft plays out the way that my mock draft did this morning, I think Bills fans will be very happy because my first two picks in my mock draft were, like I said earlier, Greg Newsom from Northwestern. My number two pick, 61 overall, falling somehow, a guy who has been projected anywhere from the low 30s and below, is edge rusher Greg Rousseau out of Miami, Florida. Whoa. That is actually, somehow, he fell to me with pick 61, and I was like, shit. I'd be a fool not to take him uh the way that the draft board was falling at that point. To me Jamie, if the Bills can get that lockdown CB2 with their first round pick and they get a guy like Greg Rousseau at number 61 overall, a guy who had 19 and a half tackles for loss, And 15 and a half sacks in 2019. He did opt out of the 2020 season, but I am telling you, this guy is not going to be rusty. I'm sure he's staying in game shape and working out. The stuff he put on tape and on film in 2019 would make him a first round draft pick in almost any other year. I know he has a little bit of injury concerns. Uh, He had an ankle injury in 2018 and he missed 2020. He's only got that one real year of tape uh, at Miami, but the rawness of his talent jumps off the screen at you. And I feel like you talk about somebody who can develop into, I don't want to say Aaron Donald because he's the de facto comparison (laughs) and, and there's only one Aaron Donald, but I think Rousseau would be a slam dunk sign me up, Unbelievable addition to that defensive line. You know,
0: this is where we go back to the conversation that we had at the top of the show, where we talk about position meets value meets needs. I didn't want any of the edge rushers in the first round. However, the complexion of the value changes substantially when you are 32 picks later down the road. Gregory Russo... In the second round, is a player I absolutely want to get our hands on because, yes, he is incredibly productive. He has good tape out there. Like I said before, uh, I didn't know if he was athletic enough to be a first rounder. That is not a concern in the second round. And let's face it, the Bills have got to improve what's going on on the defensive line and they also need to get younger. I mean, these defensive ends that they're going to have starting this upcoming season are probably getting mail from the AARP like I am these days. (laughs) That's not what you want. You got to have somebody to take their place.
1: And what's nice about Rousseau too, besides the fact that he can really be aggressive and talented and getting after the quarterback, he's versatile enough to slide inside to the defensive tackle spot as well, which gives McDermott more of that positional versatility. So that's another feather in the cap for Gregory Russo. Who is your number two of the second round targets you're looking at? Pat
0: Friermuth from Penn State, the 6'5", 250-pound tight end. I know that tight ends have a hard time breaking into the league and being uh, being effective in their rookie season. However, I just feel like this guy has enough experience playing at in a big-time program He has long arms. He has a stiff arm for days. And frankly, the Bills need to add more competition to the tight end position. I think that Dawson Knox is going to eventually break out, but Dawson Knox is never going to have the kind of hands that you want. And I think that if they can put another tight end on the field who can get open, who's got the speed to run down the seam with linebackers, who can latch on as a blocker, who can catch the ball and get a few extra yards by destroying people with the stiff arm that he's got. I think the Bills are going to be that much better from it. And also, it's going to allow the Bills to have a more unique set of personnel groupings. The Bills led the league in four wides last year. I don't want to see that again this year. I want to see them be balanced in their personnel groupings so they can make the defenses game plan for a variety of different ways that they're going to be attacked. And you know, if you're going two receivers, two tight ends, one back, I I would love to see what could happen there. We've seen what the Patriots have been able to do when they had two good tight ends on the roster. And obviously The pass are trying to recreate that because it can be very effective. Well, here's the Bills' opportunity to make that happen.
1: Valid points out there. Another valid way to improve the offense, giving another complimentary tight end to go with Dawson Knox. I think that the Penn State product is definitely an intriguing prospect uh, for the tight end position. A guy I don't have as a second-round pick, a guy I might want to see Buffalo go after in the third round, is Notre Dame's Tommy Tremble. I feel like he could be a really solid value add. For Buffalo if he lasts to, I think, pick 91 or 93 when Buffalo goes in the third round. But that, as I mentioned earlier, Jamie, my six picks are all on the defensive side of the ball. I do have one offensive guy I could mix in with my uh, second round guys here as well. But I mentioned um, the Syracuse product, um uh, Wu as another one of my targets at the cornerback position who could be there for Buffalo at 61. The guy who I'm going to go with, though, who I feel like if Buffalo is able to add to a sneaky need that they need to get more depth at and possibly take over for one of the starters down the road, my third uh, second round prospect I'm looking at comes to you from the safety position, and I could have gone with a Syracuse product. I could have gone with Andre Sisko, who I love the fact that he had 13 interceptions 14 pass breakups in 24 games. I think, and he recorded the thong song. Thong, the thong thong thong. Good drop out there, buddy. <laughs> I, I feel like I feel like Cisco could be there with a third round pick. Um, the guy I went with instead, who I think is a legitimate chance to be there in the second round when Buffalo picks, it's Oregon safety Javon Holland. Now, it's a name that not a lot of Bills fans have been hearing about. He hasn't been linked too much to the team, but he's one of those guys who I've seen falling in the mid 50s to low 60s. And the fact that he has versatility, he's got great ball skills and the Bills have, again, a sneaky need at safety behind Hyde and Poyer. I think Holland could be groomed to be the guy who takes over when one of those contracts expires with Buffalo. He's great in slot coverage. He can hold his own uh, in the deep end of the secondary for the Oregon Ducks out there. He's versatile. He's got a high football IQ. Javon Holland over my boy Andre Sisko, who I'd love to get in the third round. Javon Holland was my number three second round selection.
0: That's a really good selection. And I haven't seen much of him. I haven't seen much of any of these guys. I mean, I'm just I'm just giving it to you straight here. And probably costing myself credibility with the listeners, but you can't run from who you are, Bacchasino. You can't run from yourself.
1: No, no. Be truthful to who you are. Jamie, there's we, we preface this by saying we're fans who are giving our opinions of what we'd like Brandon Bean and the Bills to do with their draft picks. So, and that's what we've been doing out here, which is why the podcast is so fun. We're coming up on almost a full hour uh, of, our, of our picks, which I love the knowledge we're bringing to our fans. Who is your third guy uh, for the second round? Okay,
0: this is a guy who I don't think is going to be there simply because of the name recognition. But based on skill, I think that this would be a good slot for him. But I was saying that I want cornerbacks that either have size or they have ball skills. This guy has ball skills. He can play both the slot and the outside. I would love it if somehow Asante Samuel Jr. was still sitting there at the end of the second round. Because that is a guy who is all about going up and coming down with interceptions. The, the guy is he's magnetic when it comes to the football. Uh, He had, what is it? I think it was nine pass breakups and three interceptions this past season. It's something ridiculous like that. And that is exactly what I want to see. Now, Lance Zerline of uh, the NFL.com projects him to be round two, round three. So maybe this is the sweet spot for him. Uh, But I want to see more turnovers out of the Bill's defensive backs, and this would be exactly the guy who can do that.
1: Excellent addition to Asante Samuel Jr. I challenge you on draft day to make a comparison player prop that doesn't involve Asante Samuel Sr. because everything I've seen of him, they're like, oh yeah, he reminds me of his father. Well, no duh, he's got the DNA and the genetic makeup. He should remind him of a senior who played so well in the NFL, but that's a solid, solid value pick out there for the Bills. Again, if they don't draft cornerback at pick number 30. Jamie, I want to offer you and myself one bonus. Is there any other player you want to throw out there that you haven't talked about that you feel would be a good second round value? And I'll even take the pressure off of you. I'll go first. And I said earlier, the caveat was my six were on the defensive side of things. There's one offensive position and one offensive player in particular I would like Buffalo to target with pick 61 if everything else above falls through and is not there for being to draft. He's a talented right guard. It's Ohio state prospect, Wyatt Davis. Now we talked earlier about how the bills have most of their starters locked up this year outside of CB two. the guard position, even though the bills have John Feliciano back and they brought Forrest lamp in and they've made some additions on the offensive line. The interior of this offensive line is going to need some influx of talent and youth moving forward. And from what I've seen, Wyatt Davis could start right away at right guard if he had a solid training camp. I don't want him starting. I think Feliciano should get that chance first, but I think Wyatt Davis is a guy who really could help improve Buffalo's run blocking, which has been a major weakness for this team The last two years, Ohio State, if you didn't watch any of the final four, any of the college football playoff, they ran over teams and they were facing really good defenses in the final four this past year too, Davis gets a lot of credit for that. He easily could start from day one. That's my bonus pick for believe listeners. I think my bonus pick
0: is going to be a guy, not because he's so talented, but because he's such a perfect fit for what the bills do. I'm also going on the offensive line and I'm also going Ohio state with their center, Josh Myers. He's strictly a center. So you're not going to confuse him with somebody who can shift over and play guard. Uh, but he's really intelligent he's been a captain for multiple years his teammates love him they say that he's got one of the highest football IQs out there he looks a lot like he looks a lot like Mitch Morse when he's out on the field and he would just be a lovely
1: a, a lovely fit for what the bills are doing there you have it, believe listeners. Jamie and I have given you our top three selections. We'd like the Bills to go after a pick number 30, and we've given you four names for pick number 61 for Brandon Bean and the Bills to go after. It's been a lot of fun breaking down these draft prospects. Of course, watch Thursday night come, and the Bills take Travis Etienne with pick number yeah. 30, and they take a wide receiver with pick number 61 in the second round. You just don't know. I
0: wouldn't hate it. I I wouldn't hate. It. I would be really interested to see how that would impact the team. Obviously, we both want to build the defense, but hey, who needs defense if you're scoring sixty points a game, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it's very. If, if you can outscore and win a track meet, then sure, the offense can be just a gangbusters type of attack. I think subconsciously, a lot of what Jamie and I came up with was based on Brandon Bean saying the defense has to get better to slow down the Kansas City Chiefs, and that's kind of the predicate for what we went with with our draft pick projections here on bill leave but we want to hear from the fans what do you think about our picks are we off our rockers or are we onto something with some of the guys maybe a little of column a maybe a little of column b get involved with this podcast on twitter jamie is at the jamie D'Amico, and i am at john boccasino you can also comment on this article on BuffaloRumblings.com. For my esteemed colleague, Jamie D'Amico, I am John Boccasino signing off. Enjoy the draft. We'll be here to recap it all next week.